The following show is being broadcasted from an undisclosed location. Two former special operators have combined their badassery and now sharing it with the world. They ain't alive no more. All with a beer and a smile. This is the Savage Actual Podcast. And now your hosts combat vets with 20 plus deployments between the two of them and enough testosterone to operate the power grid of Los Angeles. Savage Actual. Now your hosts, Jason and Patrick. What's up everybody? I'm Jason Lilly, one of two hosts of the podcast Savage Actual. I'm sitting here with my co-host, Mr. What's up everybody? I'm Patrick Maltrup. Thank you for joining us. And we have a near and dear friend to my heart, a.k.a. The Ghost, a.k.a. Aaron Schweitzer. What's up, man? What's up, dude? Good to see you, man. No, it's great to be on here. To jump right into it, everyone, the reason he's wearing that mask is Mr. Aaron here is actually a ghost off of Call of Duty. That was the real mask used in all the shoots. Uh, he is he is the man. He is the model for Ghost, the character on Call of Duty, which I actually played today. So, so just, uh, just to clear it. To clarify right off the bat, just so there's no, uh, I don't know, people's paintings don't get in a bunch of stuff like that. I I did like the modeling. I did the, uh, the uh, uh, what do you call it, the trailer. Um, tons of like, I did the cover uh, for Modern Warfare. Did you do motion, the like motion that. capture stuff? I, no. So I did not do, um, I've shot some of the stunts and stuff for it, but I have not done the, uh, the mocap or the voice. So um, okay. obviously I'm not British. So there's... You know, right. um, some people. Uh, like, that's right. I didn't even. I didn't even fucking pick up on that, dude. That's it's, hilarious. It's it's funny because um, you know, not to not to. I don't. I don't give a shit. You know, it's not. It, it that position does not. That character does not define me. So it's not. That's not my identity. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it's funny how much that picture that we took um, here. We actually took it here in Tucson in a in a. A junkyard. It's like uh, uh, aircraft. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, oh, they're they're yeah, they're scrap yard over there, yeah. Davis Malton. Yeah, it's over by yeah. there. So we we took that picture there, and we had I had no idea nice. that it was going to. Uh, they told me maybe four months later that that was going to be the cover of Modern Warfare Two. I was like, dude, that's freaking sick. Um, that's awesome. But uh, yeah, hats off to I mean, it, hats off to Tack Gas and and uh, Petrol. Uh, those guys, the uh, they can make they can make anybody look like a complete badass. So you know, it's it's. Is that scary. how the tack gas guys are they? So they got the contract for that, and are they the ones who like hit you up for that? Is that how that kind of worked out? Yeah, so I'm I'm very very close with uh, with Jim Staley, the uh, the owner yep. of that. So that's kind of how we how I kind of worked my way in there. So. This podcast episode is sponsored by Iron Fire Brewing. Iron Fire Brewing is a Southern California favorite, creating craft beers from the finest ingredients. Iron Fire Brewing creates unique beers with classic tiki drink-inspired flavors, amazing lagers, and more. Iron Fire Brewing can be shipped directly to your home by going to craftshack.com and search for Iron Fire Brewing. Yep. Yeah, super cool dudes. We we got an opportunity to chat with those guys when we were in Vegas and shot show last time, and oh yeah, and I think that's where 
you and I chatted briefly. We were all yeah. sitting around at their little tack gas gathering and yeah. stuff. And uh, yeah, that was, they're a bunch of cool guys. They've really, man, they do some incredible stuff. It's fucking talented, yeah, it's, talented guys. It's a, it's a good time for sure, man. And that all, that all started out, um, <laughs> it all started out as uh, Jim would hit me up. He's like, hey, dude, um, let's, uh, let's hang out. Let's go do this or let's go do that. And I'm like, man, like, I can't, you know, I'm, I'm so busy. I can't justify getting out of town unless I'm, you know, with the boys, unless I'm making money doing something. So he's like, well, you know, let's, you know, let's shoot some pictures and stuff like that. And then, and then it kind of blew up, you know, so it was like, Hey, I'm going out of town to hang out with the boys. So it started out, it was a bunch of just recon dudes. Um, now it's like, I mean, shit, we've got, um, uh, grumpy. He's a freaking, um, old, uh, ranger bat dude. Uh, he's like kind of like the general manager. We've got seals. We've got same, several rangers and stuff, and a bunch of recon dudes, and then some Bortac dudes on board. But um, it's 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 always a good time because we're making awesome content. But um, it's the best part is just getting you know you've got a bunch of like minded dudes and same similar backgrounds and stuff together for you know three or four days, and it's just it's refreshing, man. You leave there charged up and fucking motivated. So yeah, good I know. I know you've been trying to get me on one of those for, for a we bit. we got to get you on, man. <laughs> I keep missing out on them. About five years now. So before Ghost, uh, I want to back it up a little bit. Just kind of broad stroke real quick for our listeners out there just to grab your attention a little bit more. Uh, not only has Mr. Aaron here been doing that, he was also a reconnaissance Marine and is a current uh customs and border patrol agent and not only that but he's the top tier level of uh of that which is called bortac and bortac is what border patrol tactical i think is, is that's what it's short for correct yeah it's just their tactical unit yeah that's that's fucking awesome man uh that's really awesome but we all have a lot of questions uh i don't know really where to start but well i guess we'll start to the beginning man like where where are you from originally, man? Um, well, like yourself, um, I'm a Kansas kid, so I uh, grew up in a small town of Abilene, Kansas. That's right. That's yeah. oh shit. Smack that's Jason, Jason didn't Kansas, know that. Man. No, I knew that. I knew that, dude. I I, I just biffed it, man. I, that's right. I remember that was that that was the initial bond that made yeah. me. You know, look at you a little that's differently where, from that's the beginning, where bromance, man. That's where the bromance began, man. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I was, like, I was like, there's no way that Jason cannot know that. No, I did. I did know that, man. I, I, <laughs> I remember the first time we had sushi together, dude, for sure, up in uh, somewhere in uh, L.A. area. Yeah. But uh, that's right, man. So growing up in not far from where I'm from, actually, I know you're southwest of uh, – and west, basically due west of fucking Wichita, man. So No, I'm actually – You guys – I was north. I was up in Abilene, dude. So I'm about an hour north of Wichita. So Kansas, if you guys just stood wherever you're from in Kansas, each of you, and had binos, could you guys actually see go. each other? There we go. <laughs> I mean, yeah. believe it or not, it's it's flatter than a pancake, according to Mythbusters. So, yeah. uh, and all my Kansas brethren out there that just listened to me screw up my coordinates where Abilene's at. So that, that's a little embarrassing. So you're, it's closer to Salina, I guess. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. I was born in Salina. It's about 20, 24 miles east of uh, Salina. So it's right on right. I-70. Yeah. Yeah. Just go up past Kichai further north out of Wichita all the way up east. Got it, man. Okay. So <laughs> well, what, 
I mean, what drove you to the military, man? Obviously, we all know that you, you know, because I said it, joined the Marine Corps. What, yeah. uh, why? Um, was, it right out of high, was it right out of high school? No, man, I, I didn't join until I was 24. So out of high school, I, I moved up to, uh, I went up to, um, I went to Kansas State for a year. Uh, followed my dream to play uh, college football. Uh, walked on spring ball and uh, as a linebacker. Um, managed to mess that up. Uh, I, <laughs> dude, I, I just embr- you know, I embraced the college lifestyle and just partied hard and found myself on I'll academic probation. And um, yeah, uh-huh. basically uh, ended up getting sick. I got mono like the last two weeks. I dropped from like 225 down to about a buck 90 over the summer. And, and finally, I just, I just said, screw it, man. I, I packed up my motorcycle. Um, I had an old Kawasaki Ninja 600. Uh, I had a backpack and about 65 bucks, and I headed to Kansas City and started sleeping on my buddy's couch and working in nightclubs and bars and stuff. And so, yeah, I did that for a few years, and then I was a limo driver for a while. Um, and then, then I was going to join the uh, the Navy. You know, follow my dream to be a Navy SEAL, and. Uh, and then the Navy recruiters didn't show up the day I was supposed to sign up, and the Marine crew, the Marine Corps <laughs> recruiter was there, and I was like, "Fuck it, let's do this, dude!" So, um, yeah, so I joined uh, Contract Recon and shipped out about two months later. Nice. What year was that? Yeah. That was two thousand. Yeah, so it was uh, January of two thousand. Dude, I beat you by a month and a half, man. I joined in November of two thousand. <laughs> no, I was I January. I was January of two thousand. Oh shit! You're ahead of yeah. me by nine months. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, parade start, rest. Oh, start pushing. Start pushing. Yeah. Parade, yeah. <laughs> parade rest, senior senior PFC, senior land, senior land. Yeah. Senior senior land. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're right. See, I I never did my math for uh, MCIs, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, your math for Marines. You missed that MCI. What yeah. The fuck? Yeah. I just filled that thing out. Yeah, I see my way through it, dude. And so, uh, so we've got Jason's established that he's got the geography of Kansas down. Yeah. His math, his math is on point. Let's uh, next topic. Next yeah. subject. Yeah. What else can you? Yeah. What else can you fuck up? I'm gonna grab a bottle. He, of wine. He's like, I've been, I've been playing Call of Duty and drinking all day, so I've got nothing. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I had two beers, man. Actually, uh, yeah. it almost made me take a nap. But uh, so you listed out of Kansas, just uh, good stock right there. Um, ended up, where did you end up, man? Did you go? You said contract. Did you go straight to recon, or did you go in the so, yeah? So I went to, I went to boot camp at you know in Pendleton. Uh, graduated there. Um, somehow I was the honorman. I don't know. <laughs> so I got got honorman out of boot camp, which got me Lance Corporal out of boot camp, which was oh, it was man. nice. There you go. It was. He's nice. like I'm on the fucking fast track. Right, right. That's real. That's cool and all. Until you, you know. Then I went through BRC. After BRC, you know, you got to your pick your three dream stations, uh, which mine was Camp Pendleton uh, first. Uh, second was Lejeune. Third was, uh, I think, Hawaii Oki. I put in four. And so, okay. uh, yeah, so I got Oki. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I, <laughs> I was going to say, I, I, th- I would have thought that fucking third recon, was it, weren't they in Okinawa? What's out in fucking, yeah, is there yeah, anything in? Yeah. 
Is the, is recon out in Hawaii at all? Yeah, they had they had. I can't remember what it was. I think it was like, like it, a platoon uh, or something there. Something, I can't remember. It was it was on the list or some shit. But I was I was uh, Oki was my last choice, and that's what they gave me. But um, so going back to like the getting Lance Corporal out of boot camp, I show up to I show up to my unit first recon or third recon battalion. I'm there no more than about a month, and I pick up Corporal, which. I mean, oh, showing up at, at third, being a new guy, you know, your first year at third, you're just getting thrashed every freaking day. And, you know, my ATL was a was a Lance Cooley. And it's like, I don't give a shit what your rank is or what you think your rank is or what it says, you know, on your shoulder. You know, you're still you're still the low man on the totem pole. So I'm you know, I'm a I'm a corporal getting thrashed by Lance Cooley, which is that's you know, I mean, that's. That's how it is, you know. Yeah, that's how it sure, is, man. Yep. Yeah, you were out there with some good dudes at that time, man. Brown and Quante, and uh, a lot of good dudes, man. Uh, uh, Antonick was uh, he was he was yeah. dude just a couple classes below me. Um, God, who else? Dave Caruso was another good dude. What's uh, what's, what's Antonick's first name? Chris. Chris. Yeah, he's the one that. Um, God, he's passed away. Yeah, he coined the phrase, uh, what was it? All it takes is all you got, man. Solid, yeah, solid, like that solid. name is super familiar. Yeah, he was a solid dude, man. Well-respected dude, man. Yeah, he floats around on – his picture floats around a lot on the web, yeah. which is – Yeah. Huh. But uh, – So how long were you there? Like did you did you deploy with 3rd Recon? No, I was there for two years. Um, gosh, I got injured the – First, let's see, I got injured right when I got there. Um, I completely tore my pec uh, going out of the back of uh, – we were doing a cold water amphibious package in Iwakuni, and I slipped going out the back of a 47 on some hydraulic fluid, fell, and I fell about 30, about 30 feet into the ocean and ripped my pec in half. Um, so Fuck. Yeah. Um, swam, and you know, I had to swim like I think it was about two and a half, three clicks to shore – and then it was a shit show, man. It, they kind of misdiagnosed it as a uh, bruised bicep. And then enough time, you know, I kept my mouth shut because that's what you do. Um, and then I, enough time passed that it was uh, beyond repair. So I never was able to get it repaired and ultimately found myself uh, being medically removed from the platoon and uh, landed in H&S for, you know, a few months, um, rehabbed there and then went back to uh, Bravo Company. Um, which pissed off the the uh, gunny from gunny and first sergeant the captain at you know in alpha but hey man you know they kicked they they booted me they could have kept me as their little you know their little you know uh house mouse or whatever their equipment dude they could have kept me around for that but they you know kind of kicked me to the curb so i came back and went to bravo and and things were great there man that all the dudes were great and of course you know i was still in always got along with all the the dudes you know uh alpha bravo and and everything else so I did two years there and then uh, Where, transferred to first so i'm trying to figure out again i know we talked about this too but uh we've obviously both forgotten a lot uh where were you when i was at hansen uh in 2002 uh is where i actually tried out for recon i did uh i did the end doc at the pool at hansen in 2002 in okay, 2002. The summer of. Yeah, I would have probably... 
I think that's when I would have been, yeah, I would have just transferred to 1st Recon Battalion. Because I went there and I want to say like February or March of 02, I think. Yeah, of 02, I think. Okay. Because so. I got to... I got to first recon battalion August of 02 for pre BRC yeah. with, uh, you know, with fucking Matthiason and, uh, you know, Ryan Jeske, God rest his soul. And yep. Mike Wynn and those guys run a pre BRC yep. in August. And I, then I went to BRC in November. So I guess you and I were there at the same time. Yeah, uh, probably. I think, yeah, right around the same window. I mean, all the, all the dudes that I was there with would have still been there. Uh, so you know, we know all the same dudes for sure. Yeah, I didn't make it to to an actual platoon until November um, okay. of '02. So cool. I was in Bravo, obviously Bravo Company Second Platoon. So, yeah, I, I know you and I crossed paths in a hallway and then some kind of all hands piss test or something, man. So, <laughs> <laughs> which there was a lot of those going on. Cool. A little bit of a party problem in that that unit for a bit. So uh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean, when did you uh when did you actually get out of the Corps, man? So I got out in uh well, I was set to get out in 04, uh January of 04 and then of course, you know, the the war had kicked off. Uh yeah. the war kicked off when I was in Seer school and uh <clears throat> and then you know, my contract was due up, but then, you know, with, you know, it's freaking you know, it's game time, so you know, it's like shit, dude, I'm not going to I didn't. I didn't get my ship pushed in for that long to to watch everybody, all my peers go off to war. So um, I was able to enlist an extra six months to go uh, on the Mew and and punch over there with uh, uh, Charlie too. Um, at first, um, so we floated over there and and uh, uh, touched down in Kuwait and then um, went into Iraq from that. Just you know, a while after the the push, I can't remember what month it was. But. Yeah, who were you guys doing the motorcycle mission? No, no, we were doing uh, we were doing reconnaissance on the Shad Al Rab down there uh, southeast of Basra, down Afa. Um, yeah, we were there was like six of us down at a uh, it's like a small little British camp. It was all just a some little bombed out ship buildings and uh we're doing some vbss stuff down there so in, uh, nothing super nothing super crazy um it wasn't until i got back and uh got out that that's when the boys went back over and that's when fallujah you know kicked off and i missed all yep. that so yep. still feel i still do that still eats at me um that's one of my biggest like I don't know, man. Like, I remember, uh, <clears throat> uh, you know, Cool V, right, Marzi? Of course, man. Vinny. Yeah, yeah. So he was my he was my TL, and he. I remember I was sitting in what is it called Taps and Tamps or something like that, and yep. Yep. and uh, yeah, I see his face outside the door, you know, outside the window, and he's knocking on the door, and you know, he kind of motions to me. I go out, and he goes, "Hey, man, we're we're going back over," and uh, and at that point, man, I'm so like, dude, I. I had all my my leave was all like you know I had my uh, what do they call it the uh, uh, terminal leave all planned terminal out. Leave. I'm I'm going surfing for 44 days. I'm like I'm out, dude. Like I'm so checked the fuck out and and uh, 
he goes, man, we're going back over. We, you know, we need you. And and to this day, man, I still eats at me as like the boys went over and got so, you know, y'all got in some like deep, deep shit. And, and so that, that's one little thing that still, still chaps me, but you know, um, you know, can't, can't do that over. So <laughs> decisions, man. Yeah. You just like it. Regret sucks sometimes. That very deployment with Vinny is when I met Vinny. So that O4 deployment, he was he was in my platoon with uh, with Matty C. And, yeah, uh, oh yeah, I'm gonna see Johnny, him here in a couple. I'm gonna see him in a couple weeks. Johnny K. Johnny and, K. Uh, man, solid, oh, solid dude. Yeah, because we had uh, we lost some guys from our tick that we got in April seventh, so we needed combat replacements. So we got, I think, you remember Bull, Skinny Bull, Triathlon yeah. Bull. Yeah, yeah dude. he's like a yeah. freaking neurosurgeon now. I heard that. Is that true? Yeah, fact. <laughs> not, it's a fact. not surprising. Smart not dude. Yeah. yeah. So, so you actually, you know, if you would have stayed in, you would have been in my platoon. That that deployment, yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you end up getting out, dude. And then what? What's next, brother? I know. I know. Got you got the out. itch. You, you got the fire. Yeah, I got out. I went to you know did what every other squared squared away marine does and you know i went to school right um i was studying engineering and uh just dude i I had an internship uh with an engineering firm and and i just realized dude i'm like i'm losing my i mean i was circling the drain dude you know i'm like this is it seems like a good career path but i'm freaking you know sitting at a desk doing numbers and and it just was not a healthy environment for guys like us and um so, you know, my wife had found uh, Border Patrol and said the Border Patrol was hiring. And I was like, dude, I am, I'm not, that's not my, you know, standing at a checkpoint and harassing, you know, Marines trying to get on camp, back on the camp hill and the <laughs> checkpoint's not really my jam, you know. I, I was always cussing those dudes. Um, but then she found, you know, then like a few months later, she found Bortac. And I looked at that and I was like, damn, dude, that looks a lot like what, you know, I was doing in the Marine Corps. And, dug into a little bit more and if, you know of course at the time there wasn't and there's still not a whole lot uh on the internet about it um starting to get a little right. bit more well known but at the time man there wasn't much you had a couple flyers and not much so i was like dude and that this was cool. 2000 this was, was 2004 2007 um 2007, okay, 2006 2007 and so i applied and and got accepted and and uh, went through the the Border Patrol Academy, and then uh, did I did my time on the line before trying out to for Bortac. But that's I mean I went into the Border Patrol specifically for Bortac. That's I mean my that's all I wanted to do. So where they where they send you initially? What was your first post? Uh, first, so I put in for San Diego. It was kind of like the Marine Corps. I put in for San Diego, and they're like, hey, you can. Uh, you know, you can accept this position in Calexico, California, or uh, and I was like, I was like, well, you know, I could just, how about I just wait until San Diego opens? You know, I've been patient. It's been a few years. I can, I can wait a few more months. I'm like, well, it's, you know, it's, this is your only offer. And it's basically like a uh, suburb of San Diego. And like, yeah. I lived in San Diego for a couple of years and I don't recall that suburb, <laughs> man. So yeah, I looked at dude. it on the map. I'm like, dude, that is, you know, that's a shady trick. Mexico, but, you know, that's like off to the 80s, dude. That's the border. Oh yeah, yeah, 80s. Dude, yeah. It's, it's yeah, it's like the armpit of yeah, it's the down the desert, you know, down kind dude, of what, island. 
when I was yeah. getting, it was I was in the midst of getting ready to retire, and I had applied for CBP. Went through the whole process, polygraph, all that stuff, and they wanted me up in Long Beach. I was living in freaking uh, Anaheim, Garden Grove area at the time, and I'm like, okay, yeah, sounds good. Went through everything. They accepted me, and I was thinking the same thing because they've got a tactical unit. I was like, I'll fucking apply for that after I, you know, a couple years or whatever. And then <laughs> they, they're like. They call me up and they're like, oh, yeah, you're going to be in San Ysidro. Like, uh, I was told I was going to be in Long Beach and I live in, you know, Anaheim Garden Grove area. Yeah. And they're like, they're like, well, you got to come down here, draw your uniforms and blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah. I don't think so. I was like, no. And they're <laughs> like, oh, we don't want to lose you. We'll have a recruiter call you back. And. I never heard from anybody and never, and I like, I got a new job instantly. I never heard from them. And so I was like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Fuck it. Yeah. So they're, they're good yeah. for that. They're good. Good for doing that. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, I mean, in the end, man, it was, it was a good place to start out. I really, I really enjoyed it. Um, <clears throat> it's, a, it's one of those things, you know, it's like, it's like same thing as like military, man. When, when you're in a uh, kind of a crappy location, you, you seem to bond with the dudes really well. And, and uh, <clears throat> have some good experience and good memories and stuff like that. So um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, trade it for another uh, place to start, you know, my career. But so it was, it was good, man. How long were you down? Were you there like two years before you could try out? So, yeah, at the time it was, uh, was a two year, I think two years on the line was the requirement. And I, uh, I had like one year, 350. Like three, one year, 354 days um, <clears throat> on the line before the next tryouts. And uh, so I put in my memo anyway, and I thought, you know, God, with my background, you know, surely they'll waive like two days. You know, that's two days at a checkpoint's not going to make any difference. And yeah, I didn't even get a response. <laughs> I didn't even get a, really? I didn't even get a no, we're not accepting it or no, you, you're stupid or, you know, like <laughs> nothing, dude. So, um, really? so I was like, all right, yeah, they're pretty strict on that two years. Um, since then we've realized, you know, as a unit that, um, you know, you're losing a lot of, you know, potentially good dudes just because of that hard, um, that hard uh, two years. So now I think the requirement is if, you know, with the proper background, I think it's about a year, which, you know, your, your clock starts when you EOD um, your entrance on duty. Uh, so the day you get hired and report to your duty station, your clock starts. So then you go spend five, five months at the Academy, come back, uh, you spend another, you know, like a month or two uh -huh. in the, post or post academy and then a month with the FTU or something like that. So before you know it, man, you're nine months into it. And now it's like, Hey, tryouts are in two weeks and, you know, and then you leave and, you know, so it's, it's super quick now if, with, you know, uh, dudes that have, you know, a, the required background, you know, to kind of wave, wave that year. So it's, it's, it's a good gig, man. It's honestly, I, I try hard to, uh, encourage you know anytime i come across you know uh anybody you know recondos or uh you know any regiment dudes or seals or anybody with a background that you know or just infantry dudes whatnot um that are interested you know i, I urge them it's it's a great transition because it's sim it's very similar like military type stuff um a lot of the training and whatnot and and you're around a lot of the the same 
kind of uh, like-minded guys and mindset, you know, uh, just getting the job done and, and stuff like that. So, you know, good, good dudes. Aaron, do you want to talk to about the, what are the prerequisites for anybody that would be interested in going to BORTAC for, or go into Border Patrol for BORTAC? And then just, hey, what are the prerequisites and kind of talk about what the mission sets for what you guys are specifically doing? So it's, as far as like prerequisites, there's not really, I mean, there's not a hard and fast, um, you know, like you have to meet this, this, and this. I mean, it's open to anybody and everybody. Um, now, oh, okay. Some, That's awesome. Some, some, some backgrounds obviously fair, um, have the cards stacked a little bit more in their favor because of experience and stuff like that and background. Right. But, um, God, we have, you know, dudes on the team that are, um, most, you know, it's one, most guys, you know, it's, like guys have, you know, things in common, you know, so some traits that we see a lot of are, you know, college athletes. We've got several, you know, guys that are former D1 athletes. We've got, um, you know, almost every branch of the military. Um, actually, I think we have every branch, I'm sure. Uh, but, uh, you know, you got, I work with a lot. I've got a lot of Ranger dudes, um, you know, a uh, few recondos and stuff like that. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, then you have other dudes that just have no—they have no background at all. But they're, you know, they went out and they—they kind of had what it took, and and they were selected and made it through everything, and you know, so. Um, but uh, yeah, as far as you know, missions and stuff like that, um, the missions—if you could, you know—it's. Uh, it's kind of a, you know it's it's kind of a non-traditional kind of SWAT. Uh, style team so you know you do a lot of the uh the traditional urban SWAT you know warrant service type stuff but then you also have stuff that seems a lot you know to a lot of people would seem a lot more kind of military oriented um just rural rural type interdiction stuff so um you know i've got you know kilo operations and vehicle interdictions warrant service um some uh you know, some undercover stuff, uh, patrol canines, Hearst operations, uh, the PMO program, which is, you know, precision marksman observer, you know, the politically correct way of saying snipers. <laughs> Sniper. Um, and then we have an extensive, uh, a very, uh, very good, uh, breaching program, uh, that's been, uh, pretty well established. So it's, it's, you know, we've, the capabilities are, are have grown quite a bit, and and uh, you know it helps a lot having a lot of the uh, the military dudes and stuff like that. You know, with the background, you know, coming in and, and working their way through the ranks and stuff. So, would you say you're kind of the you're the lethal blow of 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 border patrol in the sense of very high threat targets? You know, from human trafficking to smuggling narcotics to uh, I mean, when something needs to be done quick and fast, that you, you guys are the guys being sent in, correct? It's, you know, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't go, you know, I wouldn't say a lethal blow, but it, we're definitely, you know, as far as the chief, um, you know, we're kind of, whenever there's problems that need, uh, you know, like special, uh, specially addressed, then um, our unit's usually called upon to to deal with that stuff. How, how, how does you guys is uh, kind of, operational tempo changed since uh the change in administration and the the border has become a bit more porous the op tempo for us man it's always been it's always been 
you know, it's always been very busy. Um, as far as, you know, the statistics and the, 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 um, you know, how porous the border is and stuff like that, you know, I, um, I won't really dive into that just because that's, you know, it's kind of, it can be, it can be kind of, it, it's tough to, to kind of really speak on that because statistics yep. can be kind of shifted either way. So as far as yep. us, I mean, we're, we're busy no matter what, no matter what in administration's in there, uh, we're busy. Um, guys, guys are busy. If we're not on operations, you're training or you're, you're assisting, uh, you know, stations with their problem areas and stuff like that. So, um, op tempo is, is just pretty much nonstop for us and around the clock. And, you know, um, I don't know. I mean, does that answer your question or? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so you guys know how it was when we were on active duty, you have a rotation like, Hey, these, this company or whatever might be in the slot getting ready to deploy and you're in the next one's in a workup and the other one's in no, another part of the workup. Do you guys have like that? Do you guys, whatever, four platoons and you guys are in, in training cycles and workup cycles and that, do you guys do anything like that or how do no, you? No, no, we don't. Um, not so much like at the, uh, at the sector levels, you do not. Um, it's, it's, you know, um, 365, you know, seven days a week and, you know, 24 seven. So, um, there are no real, um, workup cycles or, you know, stuff like that. We just don't have the manpower for that. And, and the, uh, you know, so it's, you know, your, you know, uh, you're just, you know, we have training, you know, training each week, you know, and we try to kind of spread that out to where, you know, we're always, you're always on call. We always have, uh, guys on call 24 seven. Um, you know, and, uh, but as far as like, hey, this is our leave block, and then these guys are, you know, on their training block, and these guys are deployed. It's it's not. It's all um, that'd be cool, but it's just not. It's not realistic for us, given you know the op tempo and and the limited manpower. I got one other thing for you. So, dude, the, obviously the fucking border. We're not. I mean, we're not just talking about the southern border, but the northern border. Obviously, it's a. We're talking about a mass space. I mean, you're you're working potentially in the entire United States. Do you guys have a, a couple of teams like East Coast and West Coast or whatever the case may be? And those are your sort of areas of responsibility because it would, I, I would think if you guys had just like one main team in say Texas and there's something going on the Northern border, it's a fucking haul to get there. Do you guys break yourselves up a little bit? Like, yeah, no, there's, there's teams throughout. We've got, you know, teams from, uh, from California all the way down uh, to South Texas and and some northern border teams as well. Um, wow. So there are teams spread throughout. And then, you know, depending on the mission, guys will um, assist as needed, you know, depending on you know, what the what the missions require and stuff like that. So they're uh, deployable throughout. And then you have a headquarters uh, SOG unit in El Paso, which is they deploy uh, pretty much everywhere. So. I'm super fascinated with, you know, as we're talking about the porous border, right? You know, it's always been porous, you know, plus or minus. What, it, it, it does change, you know, decade by decade. Like, what level, like, where are you seeing things currently with the current situation of the cartels, uh, MS-13, with the massive influx of 
people coming up through Venezuela, South America, funneling up through Mexico into into America. Like what what has changed in the last five years? I know a lot has changed. Like what what are you seeing on our side of the house, man? Uh, for honestly, you know, to be one hundred percent honest, like for us, man, we don't, dude. I don't. Our team uh, does not. <clears throat> really dive into the statistics on any of that stuff or, or I don't want to say we don't pay attention to really, you know, like trends or anything like that, man. It's for us, just whatever comes, comes. It's pretty, it's pretty simple, man. It's like you, we, we train, we train as a team. We don't get really wrapped up into, you know, what, you know, what, what statistics are or who's coming across or what's, you know, any of that. I mean, there's people that track on that stuff. That's not us. We are, we're um, pretty much just the um, kind of the action into that. And honestly, a lot of times, man, it's like, hey, here's here's your target. Um, deal with it. We go address that, um, finish that, and then move on to the next one. And a lot of times we don't even see what, what the result is of what we did uh, two days prior. So it's complex, but yet it's simple. You know, it's simple. You just do your job, your mission, and, and focus on uh, – the, the the training and um, remaining, uh, I guess, maintaining that readiness and uh, the capabilities and, and you know the safety of your teammates, you know. So it's 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 kind of simple. Just focus on that. And, and I I don't ever get wrapped. I I tell a lot of the younger guys, man, you go start worrying about like all that big the big picture stuff, and you'll dude you'll lose your mind. You will not stay in. My guys don't stay in this this field for that long because just simply because of that, man. They, you know, uh, if you if you get wrapped around all the statistics and start taking all that stuff to heart, you'll lose your mind. So you just focus on the mission and, and move on to the next one, and uh, kind of keep that mindset. And you know, you can actually last a little while. I could really relate to that, man. Being you know, my time doing the agency gig, you know, it's, it's real easy to get sucked into what we're doing or not doing. Uh, and it's usually, I think the latter. And I did, I did lose my mind in the sense, like I felt we weren't doing enough or X, Y, and Z. Right. So, especially when I worked with the state department, you know, that was, you know, we weren't, weren't doing enough there. So I, I could totally, I wish I would have had someone like you talk to younger me about just, yo dude, do your job. Do your job, do the mission, focus on what you're getting paid every two weeks, focus on your family. Yeah, there's just, you know, the sooner you realize that some stuff's just completely out of your control, you know, the, the better off you are, you are. I mean, not to say that a lot of that stuff doesn't, won't still mess with you because, you know, we're all human and, right. and you, know, you always want to be, you're always looking at something that you could be doing better, but, you know, end of the day, you got to kind of reel yourself back in and reel the, the other guys in and, you know, kind of keep your, keep your focus on the mission. And, and, you know, some of the stuff, some of the missions are, you know, awesome. And it's like, Hey, this is awesome. This is what, what, what I signed up to do. And some of the stuff, man, it's like, what, like, what, like, what the hell is this? What do, why are we, why are we doing this? But, you know, it's like, there's just part of it, man. You know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's that. a roller coaster <laughs> ride and you just stay strapped in, man. And, and it's not for everybody. Yeah. And, and soon, you know, the guys that, that can't, you know, whether the highs and lows, you know, eventually the, the coaster stops, you get off and then new guys get on and, and the rest of us just stay on the ride, you know, as long as you can. Amen. Amen. So speaking on the topic of missions, man, do you, you know, 
awesome missions. Do you have any that come to mind that just really stick out? Of like this is this is crazy. This is insane. You know, this is this is fun. Dude, I you know um, I was asked on a on a previous podcast about that, and I was just kind of like. At the time, I couldn't think of anything, and, I, and I'm like, then after we got off the air, I, you know, I thought about, you know, it was just I, I just went down the line of a lot of them because, you know, you're, you know, we're so, we're so used to it, you know, it's it's, uh, you know, I'm not like, I'm not, you know, you know, tooting, you know, anybody's horn or anything like that, but it's just we're so, you know, all of my all of my peers, all of my all of my friends are for the most part are on the team, and we're around each other all the time. And it's just you know how it is. I mean, like that is that's the norm. That's normal to you. And it's not until you get out and get around you know like other people that you know normal people that aren't doing that stuff that you realize like yeah, your Tuesday is a little bit different than than their Tuesday, you know, or whatnot. So um, as far as like crazy you know, like wild, um, missions. It's, I mean, there's, I guess to a lot of people, there'd probably be countless, um, things that we've, that we've done that, um, would probably be pretty exciting, but, um, I don't know, man. I, I, we, um, we've done a lot of warrant services, a lot of rescues that have, um, kind of, you know, a, a, a thing that a lot of people don't see is, you know, a lot of the, uh, aliens, you know, and the, and the trafficking going on, stuff like that. A lot of these aliens are coming across, and you know, they find themselves in these stash houses and whatnot, and then they end up being exploited by you know whatever entities, and they're locked in these houses and stuff like that. So some of those have been pretty um, rewarding, as far as you know, like getting into some of these houses and pulling out you know a large number of aliens that you know the aliens don't have, you know, those ones don't have, you know you know, malintent or anything like that, but, you know, they're being basically held against their will and stuff like that. So that's, that's rewarding, you know, I mean, cause you know, at the end of the day, you know, I mean, we're all, everybody's freaking human and, and, you know, you're, you're seeing other people that, yeah, they're here illegally, but, you know, they're being held against their will and stuff. And so if you'd say justice or whatever, but at least freeing them and getting them out of that situation is, I guess years ago we had, we had an instance where, um, we had some dudes that were uh, up on a mountaintop. They they held some people for, I guess, kind of, uh, I guess, kind of like for ransom. You know, it's like a rip. Crew. We call them rip crews. So they uh, basically, you know, some are are U.S. citizens. Some some are not. You know, they're up there on a mountain. The dudes with the radios. Known. What's that? The dudes with the ra- the the guys with the radios that are like fucking calling positions and all like that. Guy, yeah, like. Uh, scouts nope. and stuff so these guys were were a rip crew so they they had basically uh set up on a mountaintop and uh they knew you know a, a route that was you know used regularly and uh and they basically apprehended you know set up an interdiction they were armed and uh kind of held this group hostage up in a cave for you know uh several days they kept them with you know took their food their water basically required them to call back to their families and, uh, you know, exploited them for money, you know, Hey, we'll let you go as soon as you, you know, send X amount of dollars, Western union to this account. Um, and then once they did, they released them, you know, barefoot through the mountains and 
people walked, you know, I don't know, it was like a day or something like that and wound up uh, being uh, found. But uh, we, we got that call late at night. We had a, 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 an entity that saw them on top of a mountain. And so we got the call, got on the Blackhawk and uh, kind of moved to the target and just kind of landed the offset of the X, just maybe 50 yards, moved in on them. And uh, dudes fled. Uh, one of my teammates tackled the one dude. Um, one dude and then two two of the armed dudes fled. They just jumped off this, basically jumped off this cliff, which um, how they survive, they, they do that every time and they somehow survive. But, really? Uh, they just go, oh man, the footage, ISR footage of it and the dude's like just tumbling down the hill gets up and just continues running. It's like, dude, if I trip, I'm, you know, if I stub my toe, I'm like out for two months, you know, but uh, these dudes are just, you know, eventually they ended up, we ended up catching them all and stuff and, and linking, linking them to, um, with some evidence and stuff back to the group and it worked out and dudes got prosecuted really, uh, really good. So, um, that's one that stands out. That's one that I have always uh, been really proud of and proud of our guys for. And yeah, um, you know, we've had a lot of the team, you know, uh, recently has had a lot of really good uh, missions that have you know made national news. Um, I haven't been on some of the, the recent national, you know, the nationally recognized ones with the, uh, um, I think that is just like a couple of weeks ago, they tracked down, um, one of our teams tracked down the, this, uh, it was like a prison escapee. Um, of course, you had the, the riots up in Oregon that uh, a lot of our guys were tasked with. Um, and then some other escapees that, that flee into the uh, the woods and stuff. We get, we've been uh, getting a lot of those calls nationally that um, that's kind of the, ta- the tactical tracking is kind of our uh, have one of the big skill sets that our team focuses or excels in. So we get, we feel a lot of calls, uh, you know, with other agencies for that. Yeah. I had actually, uh, worked with some of those guys right when I got off of active duty, I had taken a contract with combat hunter. The, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yeah. 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 So yeah. we, you know, we actually were, we were West of, uh, Fort Huachuca right along the yeah. border there. And uh, some guys, a couple guys from Bortec came out and we were doing some stuff, some tracking off a of horseback with those guys, doing a little bit of instruction. And they were sort of talking to us about the stuff that they do and uh, just going through there and see these dudes, you know, they're, I, we were calling them fucking sneaky boots, you know, their boots and all that shit that they leave behind. And we were running drones across the board. It's, it blows me away at some of the points along the border where there's, there's like fucking like a tetrahedron with a fucking train track or whatever. Like, and you could see where people like back a truck over and the American citizens that sit up on the fucking hillsides with radios. And you've got to be kidding me. It's, it's insane, but man, yeah, I got a lot of respect for what those guys do out there, especially when they're just like, Oh yeah, we're like one or two agents for six or eight hours by themselves. That's insane. I got a lot of respect for those guys. I've got, you know, um, you always have family and friends that are worried about like our, like me, you know, like, Hey, you know, <laughs> we worry about what you do and stuff like that and how dangerous our job is and stuff. But man, honestly, like I feel pretty safe. You know, I'm, anytime I go anywhere, I've got a, I've got a well-trained, well-equipped team with me. It's the regular border patrol agents that are out there, 
like seriously, man, like some of those dudes out there by themselves, um, 30 minutes from their nearest backup by themselves on the mountaintop at, you know, freaking two o'clock in the morning, you know, tracking 20 people. It's like, dude, that's, that's, that's wild. No, that's ballsy. You know, yeah, the stuff we do is high risk, but we bring a lot of assets. I bring a lot of ass. And anytime I go anywhere, it's like, I've got, I've got a lot of boys, a lot of, you know, hitters with me that, you know, you know, I'm rolling in with. So we're rolling in deep. And, and a lot of those, you know, the regular border patrol agents, man, those guys are the guys that are out there freaking, you know, uh, guys and gals are out there, you know, getting a chunk in there. They're you know, a lot of times by themselves, man, onesies and twosies. And that's, that's some, that's some sketchy stuff there, you know? So hats off, hats off to my peers out there. You know, you wouldn't happen to know uh, Jim Grasky, do you? Yeah. Yeah. He's a tra- the tracking dude. Yeah. I, I did his course. I did his course like way back in like, dude, what was it? Like 2000, 2009, 2009, maybe 2000. Yeah. Somewhere around there. Yeah. Yeah. That's where we went. That's where we were on that, 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 that's what I that figured. Training. That's what I figured when you said that. Yeah. 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 He's a, uh, he's, he's been around a while. Super interesting guy. That's what I was telling Jason. I'm like, we gotta, we gotta talk to Jim. That guy's got some crazy experience, but he's, uh, he's getting a little old, super nice guy. And, crazy crazy experience but yeah we went out there we were doing some stuff with him and he was cool he's got a ton of contacts obviously he's re- yeah. been retired from the border patrol a long time and uh just a a great guy but yeah. i want to say he was like the, the, Tech, I, I think class one or something like i want to say he's one of the, yeah. if not class one he's one of the first classes for sure former freaking sf dude vietnam came back to the united states was a air america dude dropping shit off in central and south america then basically wrote the curriculum for smoke jumpers, became a smoke jumper for years, yeah. then joined the Border Patrol. Did all, yeah, the dudes, he's just, you're like, holy shit, this guy's insane. He's getting a little, he's a little older. Yeah, I was going to say, though. he's got to be he's, pretty old because he's, he's what, 2009, I remember. <laughs> I was like, damn, this dude's, you know, so he's. Dude, he's this was like 2000, there. and this was like 2000. I want to say 18 or night 18, maybe end of 18. We went out there and did that stuff. And, uh, it was, it was funny. We're actually sitting in like their little ranch house. And I know the exact one that you're talking about. Yeah. And he's like, he starts falling. He falls asleep with a fucking coffee in his hand at like six o'clock in the morning. And his coffee's just like tipping, tipping, tipping. I'm like, Hey Jim, what are we doing today? And he's like, Oh, 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 like. How much, you know, how much more time do you think you got in your career uh, with Border Patrol, man? So I've got, I think I've got four, about four years left. <clears throat> okay. Um, that's, I can punch out at four, uh, I believe, if, if my calculations are correct. And I don't really, dude, there's guys that know, they could tell you down to the hour how much time they have left. I, I'm I'm tell, I'm telling you it's it's ballpark somewhere around four years for me roughly. And that's and they of um, course I'm assuming add your military time in there, right? Or so uh, that some just of it? that just that just goes towards your vetting. So that doesn't give me out four years earlier. That just means that I'm four years more uh, vested uh, if you buy your time back. So um, yeah, it doesn't get me out any earlier. You know, I don't like to. I don't have a date. I don't have. I just you know, man. Like I said, I, I'm pretty simple in that aspect and that i just take I focus on today man today's mission and and you know like what we're doing you know I don't, I don't really uh i don't sit there and dwell on you know what's four years ahead i mean shit you know we've been around enough we've seen how quickly shit can change 
five minutes from now and in, in the environment and the world that we live in and uh, this profession, you know that um, tomorrow's not guaranteed. So why dwell on four years from now? You know, I focus on today and today's mission and, and the fellows and, and being being safe and, and staying well-trained and staying sharp. Absolutely, man. So obviously fitness is, is massive to you, man. Uh, would you say that's kind of across the board at this level? I mean, obviously it's very soft-like compared to the DOD. I mean, do you guys have regimented time for fitness? Is there, or is it just when you can squeeze it in individually, I guess? No, it's, uh, you know, we're, we're, you know, the, the agency's really good about taking care of us with that. They recognize that, you know, there is a, a fitness aspect that's, you know, we have a, a PT standard, just much like the Marine Corps and, and uh, recon was, you know, you have a standard that you have to uphold and, and there are no, there are no age, you know, unlike the Marine Corps where, you know, in the military where, Hey, you reach a certain age. Um, you know, it's gets uh, a little, gets a little easier, it's a little easier. And, and I've always been, you know, I'm getting up there, man. I'm freaking almost 48, you know, still doing a, a young man's job. And, uh, you know, I'm one of the biggest, uh, advocates for that, you know, not lowering the standard. And, you know, there comes a time where, Hey man, you may not just, you, it, you've, you know, you've, uh, you just can't cut it anymore. And, and, uh, I don't think that, you know, your adversary is not going to, they're not going to take into account what your age is. You know, that guy's not going to say like, okay, this guy chasing me is 47. So I'm not going to run as fast or I'm, I'm not going to, I'm going to go over the shorter wall instead of the taller wall or, you know, whatever. It's like, dude, you can do the job or you can't, you know, your age does not freaking pay a, a, a yeah. bit of, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. So, um, yeah, so the agency is really good about taking care of us with that and recognizing that. So we get, you know, some time to um, typically, you know, um, you know, uh, pending what's going on. But, you know, typically you get a fair amount of time to uh, work out, you know, be it, you know, before or after or during during your shift or whatever. So just so you can maintain that readiness. Well, sir. Now, what do you know? That's your full time gig, man. So so where does this the video game realm coming to i know you, you said it offline a little bit man but walk us and the listeners out there that you know the ghost and call of duty man so it's a pretty pretty, pretty cool thing and don't leave your dog out either that's don't right don't change yeah. your dog speaking of which where is he rex come here <laughs> slacking dude you're supposed to be up here on most of these podcasts and you're slack over here <laughs> he was there earlier before we started recording get up here he's got his own it's, he's got his own uh, uh instagram and everything right Dude, his Instagram. So he was up to almost fifty thousand followers, and then some. Uh, somebody hacked his account, stole his account, and whatnot. What? And, uh, yeah, and so we're starting over at like I think he's at like three thousand now. So yeah, so if you can, <laughs> you can uh, was, plug that. It's just straight up Call of Duty Rex, and I know the problem we have is a lot of people think they're already following him, but that account's gone. So um, oh, that sucks. Gone yeah, and, but. Uh, yeah, so I mean, back to the question, man. Um, we started out, or I started out doing tactical modeling, or whatever, dude. It sounds sounds pretty fruity, some Zoolander shit. But um, no, man, I've seen doing, you. I've seen you, dude. I've seen you at shot show. I'm like walking, and even you know, with friends in my life, dude. I'll, you know, the earpiece with you, side shot of you with the hat and the black glasses. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like that. A hundred percent is fucking Aaron. Am I right? So I started, I started doing that years ago, um, with, uh, Patriot Ordnance Factory and, and Frank DeSoma, man, God rest his soul. He's 
most patriotic American I've ever met, hands down. Um, but uh, he he got me. He saw one of my. Uh, we did apocalyptic family photos, and and uh, he saw that, and he's like, "Dude, I need that model to be my my patriot um, for his company." And so I was like, "Dude, screw that, dude." And I don't know. Do you remember uh, Jason Swore? Of course, El Swore, man. El Swore, yeah. Get- yeah, we're gonna, so get him, he, we're gonna get him on here. He was the one who hit me up initially. He's like, "Hey, dude, this guy contacted me. I know what you're gonna tell me, um, but he wants you to be his patriot, you know, for his company." I'm like, "Dude, I'm in the backyard scooping dog shit." I'm like, "Dude, I'm not like I'm not a model. I don't care to be in front of the camera. I'm not doing this stuff." And he's like, "Dude, guy's gonna pay you a decent chunk of change. Probably give you some rifles. All you gotta do is hold this flag, dress up like a patriot." And I'm like, "Dude." I'm in. Let's do it. You know, so, but well, at the time, dude, at the time, I didn't have, I mean, I had my issued weapons. I didn't have any of my own. I think I had maybe, I owned like a Glock 22 or something like that, but I didn't have any, you know, of my own personal, you know, uh, weaponry. So I was like, dude, an opportunity to get some of his badass rifles. And so I did that. And then one thing led to another. And then I, I started doing it for other companies. And, and then, uh, you know, Jim stood up, uh, tack gas and that took off. And then, we uh, and then, you know, Activision saw some of the stuff that we were doing. I think it was Activision or Infinity Ward or Petrol or one of those companies saw the stuff that Stanley was kicking out and the good content and and so uh, it was just a good fit. They threw us a little bone, um, little project, and you know, in true uh, tack ass fashion, they knocked it out of the park. And and uh, and one day Jim gave me a, a call and said, "Hey man, do you want to?" You want to do this character role for Call of Duty, and I was like, "Hell yeah, dude!" And then he, you know, he told me what it was. I'm like, "Yeah, all right, cancel all the plans. I'm, you know, we're gonna do that." So um, that's kind of how that happened, you know. And it, it's been it's been a cool ride. Thanks for listening, and check back next week for part two with Aaron Switzer and the guys from Savage Actual. This has been Savage Actual. Jason and Patrick are two former special operations guys who interview interesting guests, who talk about video games, airsoft, and military subjects. Basically, they drink a lot of beer, talk about shooter games, and have fun. What's not to love? We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, make sure to like, rate, and review. And the fellas will be back soon. But in the meantime... Find them on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Savage Actual. Y'all be cool, and we'll see you next time.